0: Let's pray, and we'll get into tonight's message. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to share the Word of God, for the awesome opportunity and responsibility of handling your Word. Father, we do so with reverence, and I thank you, Father, that this Word will go forth with no outside uh, hindrance of any, unco- of any unclean force. Father, that uh, you're anointing my lips to speak what's on your heart, Father, then, that uh Every heart is anointed to receive the precious seed of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to be teaching tonight, talking about the power of your words. Another part of that is confession. And so we're going to start with our Bibles in the air, or your iPad, or your phone, whatever you have the word on, and let's... Make a confession that this is, my Bible. This is my, Bible. Thank God for my Bible. Thank God for my Bible. You can do this online too. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I can do, what it says I can do. Think about that. You don't have to read that, but think about that. I can do what it says I can do. Tonight, I will be taught the Word of God. Tonight, I will be taught the word of God. So my mind is alert. So my, mind is alert. My, heart is receptive. my heart is receptive. And I will never be the same. And I will never be the same. In Jesus name. Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well... What I'm, what I'm going to be teaching tonight and probably the next, the next few sessions that I get to spend with, with you here is about the power of your words. Now, if you are uh, Word of Faith, have been coming to this church for any length of time or any connection with, with Word of Faith teaching, you've heard this before. I've heard this before. I've taught this before. The thing is, as I look around and I observe people, I see that there are so many born-again believers who still do not live as if their words meant anything. And so it's something it, it takes an effort. You've been you've developed your your thought and speech patterns to this point in your life uh, by by doing and saying the same things over and over. It's not always easy to change a habit but it can be done. And it's important because this is this is an important thing and I want I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures. Uh don't worry, you cannot overdose on the word of God, okay? But I want to start with Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 in the Amplified Classic version. Because it it just uh, it amplifies it, okay? Verse uh, verse 1 in the Amplified Classic, it says Therefore, be imitators of God. Copy him and follow his example as well-beloved children imitate their father. Let's do that one more time. Therefore, be imitators of God. You know, people, that that kind of makes people's brains go tilt. Imitate God? Who do you think you are? Well, do you have a better example? (laughs) Then imitate God. Imitate God, copy Him, and follow His example as well-beloved children imitate their father. Uh, children imitate their parents, and especially, uh, it's something about fathers that, that especially little boys like to, uh, do what daddy does. And you have to watch your mouth around your kids, because they, they don't hold back. I remember uh, on the old Art, Art Linkletter show, they used to have the, this segment where they did talk to the kids, and he would often say, is there anything your parents told you not to say here? And so they'd blurt right out what it was supposed to say. Uh, I remember this, this really struck home with me uh, years and years ago when my oldest son was just, uh, he was small enough to be standing up in the front seat of the car, which People used to do that, you know. Uh The seat belt was this, you know. The arm goes out and, and blocks him. And I was behind somebody who was not driving the way I believed they should be driving. And I said, come on, fella. And my son, Patrick, he said, come on, fella. And I thought, this kid is copying me. Well, that's good if you're giving the right thing to copy. But it says here... We can, we can copy God. One of the points I'm trying to make here is, is how did God create the world? With words. With words. We are created in His image. And so one of the traits that we have that God has is the ability to choose words. Sometimes you don't think you choose them but you have chosen them and, and maybe it's gotten to the point where it just comes like water. But God gave us the, the ability to choose words and speak them. There's no other critter on this planet that can do that other than human beings. So we need to, we need to pay attention to this. So he created the world with words. And another scripture I want us to look at is John chapter 15. And verse 7, John 15 and verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. What's the key to that? The words. The words and the asking. If we are abiding. Abiding is where you live, where you spend your life. If you're abiding in in God and His words are abiding in you, then, it says, you will ask what you desire and, and it shall be done for you. You will ask and it will be done. If. Don't forget the if. Romans 12.2. This is one we've been talking about for for quite a while, since the first of the year. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I almost said removal, but renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Remember from the first of the year, Pastor David started talking about right and wrong thinking. And then we, we went into... Uh, the, the will, the mind, will, and emotions, the renewing the, the, the healthy soul. And, and that's so important that this is all part of that. This is, this is working on getting our soul to function in the kingdom of God the way God designed it to function and to where it will produce the results that God desires for us to see. Another scripture here in John chapter 1, this just confirms what we already read. John chapter 1 and the the first three verses, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him Nothing was made that was made. Down to verse 14 and it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, we know that's talking about Jesus. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Is this saying that all things were made by the Word? Yeah, that's exactly what it's saying the word the word and and uh, I just my prayer is that the word and your words become more evident as to the power that they contain potentially than than ever before um and then, now mark 11:22 um uh, verse uh, verse 22 says so Jesus answered and said to them have faith in God now a lot of people especially word of faith people know mark 11 23 and 24 and no brother hagen did not write that but uh, his life was changed because of it and your life can be changed because of it also but let's i want to stop here and and look at why he is saying this. Uh, we'll, we'll read this, but uh, let's back up to verse 8 in Mark 11 and uh, see why he's saying these things right here. This is at the time of what we call the triumphal in- entry. And we've talked about that for the last couple of meetings here as we just finish up the Easter season, uh, just before Jesus was crucified. So Mark 11, starting in verse 8, And it says, And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. We know what that means now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David. Jesus taught the kingdom. Jesus taught the kingdom so much that his disciples thought it's here any minute now and that's why two of his two of the mother of two of his two of his disciples uh got with Jesus and said uh, you know I'd like to lobby for my two boys that one could sit on your right and one on your left in the kingdom and he basically said uh, that's not how it works but uh, but he taught the kingdom uh the kingdom he was bringing was not the kingdom that anybody expected. They, they were so used to the, the, uh, overbearing, uh, authority of the Roman kingdom, the, the Roman leadership that they, they thought it was going to be something like that, but only in their favor. So it says verse 10, blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Verse 11, and Jesus went into the, into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now that's a little different than some of the others. The others had him going in right then and, and kicking out the, the money changers and, and making whips and that kind of thing. This is the way Mark tells it. Now, verse 12, now the next day, when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got got sleepy. Jesus was a human being. Amen. Uh, in verse 13, And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for it was not the season for figs. And for the longest time, I thought, that's not right, Jesus. You know, you know it's not the season for figs, and yet you go over and expect to find figs on a fig tree. Well, then I, as I studied more about that, I realized that, and I don't know if it's worldwide, but on the fig trees that grow in the Middle East, the, the fruit comes and then the leaves so if there are leaves, there should be fruit. This was apparently a, uh, a sick tree. It, it didn't, uh, didn't produce the way it's supposed to. And that's why Jesus said, uh, when he found nothing on it, uh, he, uh, in response to it, verse 14, he said, let, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Okay. We're talking about the power of words. Jesus spoke to a tree. Now, that will get your attention if you see. When I was teaching, we had a, a young man who would go out and talk to the flagpole. Uh, it was not the same thing. You know, he, he, was, he was in a different world than some of the other kids. But Jesus spoke to the tree with authority and the disciples heard it. So it wasn't, he just didn't go up and, and whisper to it. Uh, he said it loud enough that his disciples heard what he said. So verse 15, So they came to Jerusalem. Then Je- Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. He taught them, saying, Is it not written... My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of thieves. Verse 18, And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him because all the people were astonished at his teaching. He was bucking tradition. He was, he was standing against things that These people have been doing these things forever and ever. This is how things work. Don't come in and mess it up. Jesus was good at coming in and messing things up. If they needed to be messed up. Um, So then, verse 19, When evening had come, he went out of the city. Now in the morning, this is the next day, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. They were astonished. And Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. What we just read. Have faith in God. Verse 23. Here's, here's our word of faith scriptures. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Remember Jesus spoke to the fig tree and he's explaining if you believe what you say, you can do more than this. Move the mountain. Jesus spoke to a fever. In Peter's mother-in-law. Yes. Fevers can hear, apparently. Yes. So Jesus spoke to it, and the fever left. Verse 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Don't doubt, but believe what you say. It's Yeah, we can believe what Jesus says. We can believe what the Bible says. Can I believe what I say? Jesus is saying here, you need to believe what you say and you will have what you say. What you say is important. And and not just because I'm saying it, it's because the Bible says it. And it's from cover to cover. It's, It's all through the Bible. And a lot of people don't believe this they think words really don't have that much effect on my life. Um, people don't value how important their words really are in in directing the course of their life. People think that uh, anyone anyone who believes that just by saying something that it's going to happen, they think that's impossible. They think that's, well, that sounds like magic to me, just... Say the magic words and kaboom, there it is. That's not what we're talking about here. And that's not, it's not magic. That's not how it works. But there's a real problem for people who don't see the seriousness of the things people say, especially coming out of their own mouth. Um, first thing, people need to settle in their heart, is this true? Is is what I'm reading here, is that True. Is it true that things that I say actually happen in my life? Well, who said that whoever believes and does not doubt in his heart that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says? Who said that? The words are in red. That means he was serious. That was Jesus. Jesus said that. So for someone to say they don't they don't believe that what you say is all that important is to say they don't really believe what Jesus said. In fact, it's saying they don't believe what the Bible says because, like I said, it's it's in it from start to finish. Um you can tell a lot of people don't believe that you can have what you say. By you just listen to them talk for five minutes and you can you can tell where they stand on that. Especially if they're under stress or, or facing a crisis, the words that come out of their mouth really identify where they stand. And, and we need to know also, according to what we're seeing here, that there's a difference between saying and praying. Okay? If you say something, you don't have to pray about it. Now, what I mean by that is, if you say something and then go and pray about it over and over about the same thing, it means you really didn't believe what you said or what you prayed. But if you pray about something, what you say afterwards should agree with what you prayed. The The thing that happens is is people hear a word, ooh, that sounds really good, I'm going to use that, I'm going to speak that. And, and what happens is they... They haven't made it theirs yet. They, they've heard something from the word of God that sounds really good. By his stripes I am healed. Oh yeah, by his stripes I'm healed. How come I'm not healed? Because you haven't made that part of who you are yet. And that's where it's, it's a whole different teaching, but about meditation. When when uh, Moses died and, and uh, Joshua became uh, the leader in, in, I believe it's in... Uh, Joshua 1, eight it, it says that one of the first things uh God said to Joshua was besides being, don't be afraid, he says that uh, you need to meditate on this word day and night so that you can do the things that I've called you to do. That's a big paraphrase. I didn't intend to include that in here, but it's, it's good anyway. It's the word. Um, I know... Personally, a lot of times that people will come forth for prayer. They'll come forward for prayer for healing or for whatever. And if they don't immediately feel a relief, they don't feel the the pain's not gone or something, they'll walk away even though it was a prayer of faith and they agreed with it. Their first words are, well, I guess that didn't work. I guess God doesn't want to heal me yet. Well, you just undid everything that was done and, in that prayer. Uh, seeds take time. Now thank God for instant healing. That that's wonderful. But I remember hearing Rick Renner talk one time about how eighty percent of the time when Jesus performed a healing, he would say, I will come and therapy you, or I will come and heal you. In the process of time kind of thing. It was it was not always an instant healing. So we need to remember that seeds take time to grow, um, and so a lot of times people just cancel things out with their own mouth. Uh, Mark 11:23 is not prayer. Uh, Jesus isn't telling us to pray and ask God to make our to, to move our mountains, uh, make our problems. Those are our mountains in our lives. Our, our problems, the things that are uh, coming against us. He didn't tell us to go to the Father God about it. He told us to speak to the mountain, to the problem, and that's where we can be effective. And who are we supposed to believe? Yeah, we're supposed to believe God, but it says we're to believe the things that we say. So... The things that you and I say, the things that we allow to come out of our mouth. Are they agreeing with the word of God or are they canceling out? Uh, Jesus said that the traditions of men make the word of God ineffective. How can that be? It's the word of God. Well, God gave you a will. God gave you a mouth. God gave you uh, mind, will, and emotions. And, and you can cancel out the effectiveness that the word will have in your life. Um, It says it says right here that we are to believe the things that we say, things that you say. Uh, we need to have faith in our own words, and that's why uh, a liar can't really be a person of faith. I said liar, not lawyer. Liar cannot be a person of faith. You just can't throw words around carelessly. Uh, and, and say a bunch of things that you don't believe. And I, listen, I'm telling you, I'm teaching you this not as one who has conquered everything. Because sometimes I joke around too much. I used to. I'm changing that confession too. Uh, I, I'm trying to be more accurate in the things that I say. And sometimes it's better just not to say anything than to respond with something that's going to be canceling out what the Word of God says I can have. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 um, and verse 13. 2 Corinthians 4.13 It says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. Since we have the same spirit of faith, as who? Who are we talking about here? Are we saying that that we have the same spirit of faith as as Father Abraham, as as David, Joseph, um, all the people in Hebrews 11 who are in that faith hall of fame? That that kind of faith. It's the same Holy Spirit. Has to be the same faith. Same spirit of faith as Daniel. When, when he got thrown into the lion's den. Think of that. Same spirit of faith as, as the three Hebrew children who got tossed into the furnace and came out without even the smell of smoke. That's the spirit of faith. Uh, and it says, According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. James chapter 1. Just the Bible is so full of this. James chapter 1, verse 18 uh, and 19. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. What a testimony that would be! You know, how, how do people think of you? Are you quick to hear, slow to hear? Are you quick to to speak out what's on your mind right away? Uh, quick, swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Uh, James goes on to say, down in uh, verse twenty-one. Uh, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. The Word. How can, you know, we, we have a sense, yeah, the Word of God is powerful, it's important, but if we're making it part of who we are, part of our very personality, it, it becomes more powerful in our own lives. Um, Then down in verse 26, he talks about the importance of being a doer. And look at the statement. It says, If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Notice that it says, He thinks he is religious. The King James Version says he seems to be religious. Uh, He dresses up, he goes to church, uh, he raises his hands, he, he buys the tapes. I guess, do they even make tapes anymore? CDs, MP3s, whatever. He, he buys whatever the teaching's on. Uh, and, but, but out of his mouth, he talks like an unbeliever. Um, then all of, all of that church attendance and, and CD collection, note-taking, whatever he does, it, it doesn't really mean anything. It's for nothing. And that's what we just read. He seems religious, but he doesn't control his tongue. It says he deceives his own heart and his religion is useless. Now, the next chapter, this this is a letter, you know, that was not written in chapter and verse originally. This is a letter. And, you know, if you read a letter, you typically don't get a letter from from mom, if you're in the military, and start on page 5 and, and read a few verses there and go back to page 4 and whatever. No, you, you read it through. So in chapter 2, uh, almost the whole chapter is about faith without works is dead. And so it's talking about faith without corresponding action. It's not you're saved by works. It's by If you have faith, you have corresponding action to go along with that. Think about the action that you did to receive what is probably the most, the greatest miracle that any of us ever received—being born again. That—that that is a miracle. I mean, healing is great, but it's not—it's not even on the scale of being born again. You're—you're um, you're a new creation when you're born again, you're made in the image and likeness of God. Um, you'll, you'll never be the same. So we just quoted earlier, we'll never be the same, never, 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 and we'll be that way forever. Faith without action couldn't receive the miracle of being born again. You had to make that action. Uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10. We've, we've mentioned that every, every one that I've taught the last few times. Verse 9 says if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and, bread, and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation and most people would say, "Well, that's that's what I did. I, I believed in my heart, and I confessed. I said it out of my mouth, and you got born again. That's that's what happened to me." Um, second chapter of X concert in about 1978 uh, in in Salt Lake City, Utah, of all places. I'm sitting in the balcony, and it it just it came. It, it, I, Believed it in my heart, said it with my mouth. I was born again. Didn't have a, a angel from heaven, although there was an angel present that night. My wife saw that angel on the stage with the with the band that was up there. Excuse me, while I get a little choked up here, but uh, but people think you have to do something. You have to swim the the ocean, or climb the highest mountain, or climb across. Broken glass or whatever. No, it's it's so simple. You don't have to. It's not something that that costs a lot or or involves pain. There is a cost, but it's it's nothing compared to what you're receiving. Um, back up a little bit in Romans 10, and let's go start in verse six. It says, but the righteousness of faith speaks in this way: Do not say in your heart, "Who will ascend into heaven?" that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. You you don't have to perform some great thing. Salvation is as close as in your heart and in your mouth. And if you're watching this online and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that just by what we've read here in Romans 10, 9 and 10. I invite you to do that. Uh, people still try to, to work and earn salvation, uh, doing great things to, to kind of earn their way into heaven. But you can't work hard enough. You can't sacrifice enough. You can't suffer enough. Because Jesus has already done it all. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. That's what he said on the cross. It is finished. He's done it all. We need to receive it and walk in it. So, our miracle is so close. It's not just believing in my heart. It's as close as in my mouth and in my heart. A lot of people talk about the heart, talk about believing, but they haven't talked much about the saying. But it's in the Bible from cover to cover, and it's always been there. Jesus is the apostle and high priest of our confession. Hebrews 3.1 Confession is what you say, especially about who you are, What you can do and what you can have. That's why we make that confession at the beginning of the service. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. And we'll make a confession at the end of the service, too, about who you are and and what you are supposed to have. But saying is one of the parts of doing, being a doer of the word. It's not the only thing, but saying it releases faith for that to come about. Think about when God says something, He does something. Everything God says happens. This, this whole earth could pass away, but not one word that He ever said will ever pass away. People aren't like that. People talk back and forth, say all kinds of goofy things. Well, we were just talking, you know, it doesn't mean it. We're just talking, just words, you know. Uh, But everything God says happens. Look at James chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. It says, For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man. Perfect here meaning mature, fully, fully developed. Able to to also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in a horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So this is saying, if you can control your mouth, you can control your whole body. Your whole body? And he's using the illustration here of of a horse and a a bit and bridle. You, You put that bit in a horse's mouth, you can control that whole big, powerful animal with a little tiny bit that, that goes in its mouth. Uh, and, and that's kind of what he's, and he gives other illustrations here too. I don't know whether we'll get to it tonight or not, but he talks about the rudder of a ship. How, how that tiny little rudder can, can direct the, the, the motion, the, the direction of that big ship out in the ocean. And the thing about that is, is a lot of times, well, every time I was on a ship in the Navy, I actually, one of my jobs was to steer the ship. And, uh, my ship was an old ship when I was on it. And it, the helm, of the, the steering wheel was like one of those you see in the movies, a big wooden thing with the handles on it, you know. But there was also one under the water line, clear at the back of the ship that was fastened directly to the rudder. It was called the emergency after steering. So that if the the tower on top got bombed and there was no steering up there, you could still control the ship from there. Now we prayed that nobody, nothing would ever happen because you're underwater, and if if a torpedo or something comes, you're sunk. But uh, literally, <laughs> but uh, that's that whole thing is is controlled, and you you turn it where the helmsman says he's he wants you to go, the captain, the officer of the deck or whoever, and it doesn't respond immediately. Now, you're driving a car and you turn the car and it's, it's pretty quick, but the ship is huge and the ocean is huge. So it, you turn it and it takes a little while for that to to get moved around to position. So um, that's another thing. It just goes along with, with seeds that are planted to take time. To develop and grow. Um, so, but but think about this: It's talking about controlling your whole body. Would that include my appetite? We have a little confession that we make every night about uh, I don't desire to eat so much that I become overweight. My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, and and there, we it's it's uh, something that we just include in our nightly confessions and prayer time. Um, what about my kidneys, my joints? my my blood, my heart, my whole body, Wow, but what if I talk about, oh my arthritis, oh my bad leg, oh my bad whatever, my my this, don't claim it as yours that's that's not yours. If you don't want it, don't claim it it's It's an attack of the enemy. Uh, sometimes you talk about how. Well, I can't eat this or I can't eat that. I'm, I'm sensitive to this. Well, maybe that's a fact, but the truth of the Word of God says you can control your whole body with what you say. Um, but if, if you're not bridling your mouth, like it says here, then as far as these other things are concerned, your religion is for nothing. And, and it might, might sound strong, but this is the Bible. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm still learning it myself. I'm much better. I asked my wife. I'm much better at it than I was a few years ago. Okay, But but uh, I don't know that we'll ever get uh fully developed in this, but uh I'll tell you, I'm seeing the results as a result of the changes that I've been making in in the things that I allow to come out of my mouth. Um but the thing is that over so many generations, Satan has deceived people into, into just making light of the importance of words. Uh, like I said, let's just talk. We're just talking. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, we're just, just talking. And notice how much of talk today has to do with, with death and cursing. Uh, and, and I'm teaching this because people don't believe this. Uh, look at the book of Psalms. And I'll try and close with this. It's hard to find a place to cut off here. But Psalms 12.4 says, Who have said, With our tongue we will prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? Whoever your Lord is, is revealed by who controls your mouth but isn't isn't that the attitude of a lot of people you know don't tell me how to talk my mouth is my mouth i'll say whatever i want to say i'm an american i've got freedom of speech well you do and you're free to to cut yourself off from all the blessings of god too by that um It's, people say, well, you mean I've got to watch everything I say? Well, no. Only if you want to continue to be lost and, and lose out on the blessings, be destroyed. But people haven't been taught this. And that's my goal in, in tonight and, and whenever I get an opportunity to teach again, I'm going to pick this up again because I believe we're in a time in history where this has never been more important. The things that we allow ourselves to say direct and control the direction of our lives. When, when, uh, James was writing this about the, the bit, bit and bridle and, and the steering wheel or the, the rudder of a ship, if he was writing it today, he'd probably say, uh, well, your tongue is, is like the steering wheel of your car. And if you want to change direction, you can't just step on the gas and keep going forward. You've got to, you've got to hit the brakes and make a turn. So I I'm, I'm just challenging you to to examine the things that come out of your mouth. And one of the things that brought this up, we were uh one of the people we minister with in in Hungary and Romania made a statement. They had a, it was this was Easter Sunday, I believe. And uh, they had some people there that were visiting and and this one fellow knew one of the people and, and they were giving an altar call, a call for salvation. And one of these guys said, "Oh, I know him. He'll never, he'll never get saved. He'll never give his heart to Jesus. He's, he's a little off, you know. Um, he's got some teaching that needs to be done, and teaching that needs to be undone, because that's that's not the kind of thing that we want to say if." if Romans 10:9 and 10 is accurate. It's accurate for everyone. And that's why this man did accept the Lord that day. And he's going to heaven. He, he's born again, spirit-filled. And, uh, you know, you, you can't correct everybody every time they do something, but correction's coming. And that's what I'm trying to do now is gently correct. If you need to make a change in the direction of your life, examine what's coming out of your mouth. Because the truth is, Where you, how you live right now is, is a direct result of the things you've said in your past. Amen. So we'll pick it up there next time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to learn from your word. Father, we declare that we are here, we are not forgetful hearers of your word, but we are doers and we are mindful and cautious of the things that we allow to come out of our mouth. Lord, we desire uh, to, to speak things that are in agreement with your word so that our future can be what you have called us, called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. And before you go, remember, you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You're lenders, not borrowers. You're blessed in the city, blessed in the country, blessed coming in, blessed going out. Everything your hand finds to do prospers, In Jesus' name, and you're good looking, and you're dismissed. Amen.